morning, everyone. So good to see everybody on this sort of a summer day in Oregon, <laughs> where it's cloudy and rainy, and well, yeah, that's Oregon. I can't wait for the heat. There's like a term for this. Vanessa told me the other day. It's uh, something river, a uh, atmospheric river. I've heard that phrase before. We were out Thursday night at lacrosse practice after we did the podcast. Yeah. I had no idea it was supposed to rain. Uh Uh-oh. Because I didn't check. I'm like, it's been nice. So I wore a short sleeve shirt. Uh, Did you wear your shoes that are waterproof? uh, Always, yeah. So I got there (laughs) and... One of the coaches is like, boy, I made a mistake. I didn't bring a coat. I'm like, it's warm. What's the big deal? It rained so hard. I literally wrung out maybe a quart of water out of my <laughs> shirt. It was just just, just all this. And the coaches kept coming like, you doing okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, warm rain is okay. Warm, I, warm rain is fine. It reminds yeah. me of being a kid and just playing in yeah. mud and water yeah. and that stuff. So I'm all right with it. Atmospheric river atmospheric river so right. good morning everyone thanks for coming and um let's see a couple of things one i wanted to say congratulations to all your graduates and i'm thinking about you over there congratulations yay and uh and all of those who who you know i know we all have friends and family who who graduated so congratulate that's that's an accomplishment that you worked hard for so congratulations to that we do have a couple of announcements at a business meeting after church, we have a couple of expenses that we need to get uh, congregational approval on. Um, so if we can um, meet briefly after church to get those things taken care of, that would be good. Um, there's just several things that need to be done. Um, and it would be better to do that sooner than and later. And there's um, these little r- rolled up things with cheese and bacon in them. And there is a potluck. Yes. <laughs> and Kathy I had, made. I know, those are good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're yummy. Yeah. Uh, business meeting and potluck. Yes, and there's a potluck afterwards. Okay, um, what's the next one? All church work party. Um, next next Saturday, I think it is. That's you, 16th? 18th. Wow. How about if I do that? There we go. I, I swear I'm getting old. Um, yeah, so next Saturday, and because we, we need to get ready for VBS, we need to get ready for the summer, and there's just little things that need to be done, both inside and outside. Um, and uh, some things are rather big, but there's also some little things. So come and give us, give us a little bit of your time in the morning, and uh, we're going to start at 9. You can come earlier than that if you want, but after that, you know, just stay as long as you can. Uh, what's the next one? Is that it? There are more. Um, there's an art thing. Right, a resin cutting board art show next Saturday, um, and uh, we'll get you some more information about that, because I don't have it all right at the moment. I've been trying to connect with Lindsay and haven't been able to, but she, because she's driving from Eastern Oregon. That's why. Um, but there is a, there is a, 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 another craft thing coming where you're building a cutting board, I think. A resin charcuterie board. So this sounds like it'd be a little bit more appealing to us guys. <laughs> the charcuterie, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Meat and cheese, go. Meat and cheese. Do we get meat and cheese with this? No. Well, yeah. how do you expect us guys to come then if you're not going to feed us? There's going to be snacks. Okay, there we go. So that's coming up. And then there's also our first grill and chill is coming up. Um, I think that's in a, like two weeks which is what? On the 25th. So both of these are on a Saturday. This first one is actually up in in Gladstone, and I know that's a long ways from here for some of you. Um, If you would like rides up there, that would be great. Um, This is going to be at the Gaffneys, and if you know anything about the Gaffneys they put on, you don't need to bring anything for this. They want to put on a king's table for you, and those of you who've spent any time with them when they party, they, they bring the food. So... I would expect probably a, a, a seafood buffet and tri-tip and all. Yeah, they want to, they so come to that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. What is a grill and chill? Normally, you would bring a meat and a side to share. In this case, they're like, no, no, just come. And if you want to ride, let me know. But it's just hanging out, shooting the breeze, 
They have a nice backyard, so bring your dog if you'd like, all that sort of stuff. So those are the, I think those are, are those, I think those are all of ours. There's two sign-ups there because we would like to know if you are possibly coming back there and put a, like a little star by it if you need a ride or would like a ride. Okay. I think that's all of our announcements. Do you have any announcements? I installed a um, new garbage disposal. Ooh. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, does it work? Yeah. <laughs> does it work? Of course it works. There's Joe's no a genius. Oh. Mm. But there's different kinds of geniuses, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's different kinds of intelligence. And being 6'2 and stuck under a sink. That's miserable. There's, it, there's not a lot of uh, intelligence that goes into that. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. We don't have communion set up for today. That's interesting. Thank you, honey. Um, <laughs> I was going to say one other thing. What was it? I don't remember. So let's talk about let's talk about the sermon today. We are going to talk about why is the book of Ruth called Ruth, and it's not because she's the main character. She's not the main character. Then why do they call it Ruth? We're going to answer that, and at, at the same time, we're also going to be talking about life is really really hard. And what is God's answer to that? This, is the par this book of Ruth is the parallel, is the, is the one that's, that should be thought of simultaneously with, with, with Job. With Job, you get a God's eye perspective. But in Ruth, God never speaks once. And isn't that our life experience? We, when you're going through a hard time, wouldn't you like to God to say something? And he never does. That's Ruth. That's the book of Ruth. What's God's answer? Okay. So let's pray. Let's get our hearts ready for, 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 for worship. Let's get ready for, uh, for praising him as, as he, as he is, uh, is worth it. Jesus, you give and take away. And, and, and we th so thank you that you're good even if we don't see it. We, we, we praise you and believe that. Um, even if all of our uh, experience at times seems to cast doubt on your, your, your power or your goodness or your goodwill to, uh, towards us in particular as life just sometimes is just hard. And um, we choose you. We choose you even if that means that we don't get success sometimes, if we don't get peace sometimes, if we don't get the approval of our of our, of our friends and countrymen and, and culture. We choose you if that means that that's all we get is you. Because we believe that you're good to us. And you will prove that eventually. Thank you, Father, for, the, for your love for us in Jesus. Father, thank you for your forgiveness in the face of um, all the times that uh, we step in the wrong direction, that you, uh, you have this bottomless grace that continues to, to cover us. And thank you that your son made that possible. And thank you for perspective as we look back over the, the long roads of our lives and we see how you've, you've played a part and that you ask us, to praise your name. to 9-11 and the idea and it, as it references Job that, that we're always called to worship you and it's hard sometimes God it's hard um, sometimes things are going so well that we forget that you played the most significant role in our blessings and sometimes we are so despondent that we resent you because we blame you for our position. And Lord, may we always have the correct perspective 
to recognize that you bless us and love us regardless of our circumstances and you are worthy of our praise in all instances. We recognize that it's hard, Lord, and forgive us for our messiness and our stubbornness. May we learn this morning, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray that in, in these uh, precious moments as we sit here and we think about your word and we think about our own lives and the, uh, the challenge that lies before us, just to live. The quiet desperation that some of us live in. turn. Ruth is not a history book. Oh, it, it is kind of a history book. It's the story of, of in, in one perspective, it's the story of the backstory of King David. How did we go from the days of Judges to getting David? Who is David's grandma and great-grandma? I mean, in a sense, that's the story. Um, but that's not the point. It's not just to give you a little tidbit of information about King David's backstory. And this is part of the reason why I encourage you to read the Bible in the order that the Jews, that Jesus read it. Which is, I talked about, I don't know how many weeks ago, what, maybe a month ago? Somewhere in that area, that for them, Ruth is not put in between um, the book of Judges and the book of of Samuel where we get introduced to King David. We, uh, uh, the Protestants and generally modern Christians, they put it there because they want to tell the, the historical story. And I suppose there, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but they put it in the wisdom literature. They put it after all the prophets. And, and they're put it, the, whose, whose book, those books are all about how do you grapple, they're, they're trying to grapple with life that's not easy. It's where we find books of like Proverbs, where we find books of like Lamentations, and we find books of, 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 of Job, suffering. That life is, is, is challenging. How do we live that? And it's, it's after all the information of all what the prophets have to say. After all the prophets are silent. Because there was a long time after the prophets stopped speaking before Jesus came, around 400 years, where God didn't talk. And isn't that our experience? Have you not been in a moment in your life where you're upset about something, and, and it's like, God, why don't you say something? And you get silence. Right? See, that's what they're dealing with. What's the answer to this? And this is what Ruth, Ruth is about. And among the things it's saying is the, tur the turn in your life has occurred if you've put your faith in Jesus. If you, if, you, if you cling to the God of Israel, the turn has occurred. Life may still be tough, and you still may have some hard road ahead, yes. But the, the God of Israel is not going to forsake you. And you may not see the full impact of the blessings of God until after this life is over. But the goodness and mercy of God is still pursuing you, even if it never catches you until eternity. Because that's a part of what's happened, and that's what the story is telling us. You may not fully, certainly you may not see it at this moment, that the turn has occurred in your life, but it's there.
let's kind of go back and remind ourselves of the setup. Chapter 1, verse 1. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to, the, to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. And the man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Um, their two sons were Maon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and they reached Moab. They settled there. And so, you know, it's, this is the land of, of Judges. This is the day where um, it's very violent. There's no security. There's no king. It's, it's not a good time. Think about just a war-torn country where there's no real civil government at all. That's kind of these days. And a lot of sin happens. And it's, in certain ways, like it, 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 it's sort of like living in a downtown city with no police department. Okay? That's kind of the world. I mean, there's some good people there too, but there's a lot of bad people too. And it's just like a lot of insecurity, not a good time. And, and a famine happens. Um, and, and, and they they decide to leave the land of Bethlehem. And there's a little bit of a pun here because Bethlehem means the, the, the house of bread. And there's no famine, so there's no bread. And so what do they do? They leave the house of bread to go to this place called Moab, who's not, this is a bad place. Very, very bad place. And you can go back and listen to my sermon a couple weeks ago about why Moab is so bad. Um, and the other point of, to, to make is every time that you go east in the Bible, this is not a good thing. Never go east in the Bible. And Moab is east of Israel. So they go there. It's not a good thing. And as you can see, a couple of bad things happen. Elimelech, Naomi's wife, dies. Oh, that alone is a massive tragedy, right? To lose your spouse. But she still had her two children. And they get married. Now, they shouldn't have married Moabites, but they do. One named Oprah, another one named Ruth. Oh, but tragedy struck, struck 10 years after that. But Maon and Kilian die. Don't know why. They do. So all Naomi has left is, her, is those two women. No children. No husband. No men in her life to take care of her. Now, we, we need to understand that in these days, women were very vulnerable. To be, a, to be a woman in an ancient Near East is you need protection and provision. There's a reason why the Bible consistently and, and emphatically communicates that we need to take care of the widows and the orphans because they're similar. Both are very need, need in need of protection and provision because they can't take care of themselves. They need help. And so this is the circumstance, and I, I need you to get that. This is desperate. And what ends up happening is is Naomi in Moab hears that God has blessed his people by giving them good crops. The famine ends. It's like, okay, fine. Maybe this is a good, maybe I can figure out some good fortune there because there's nothing for her now in Moab. And so they end up leaving. The daughters, and her, Naomi and her two, two daughters-in-law get ready to leave to Moab to return to her husband. And what I want you to, to, to hear, and the, 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 this is the setup, is, is the, the, the conte context of this entire book is of personal catastrophe for Naomi. She's the main character because the question is, is how is God going to deal? How, what is his answer to this personal catastrophe of this young woman? Actually, not at this point, young woman. She's middle-aged to older. Um, she's past childbearing age, so she's at least in her 40s, maybe 50s or more. And she, because, because, I mean, I, have, I didn't do the math, but let's see. Her kids have married and have been married for 10 years, so she's at least in the middle of, I oh, went 20, 30, 40. Yeah, she's at least in her 50s. She's an older woman. And it's a personal catastrophe. This is devastation. And not just, I mean, there's the emotional side of it, but there's also just the, the reality of, She's got nothing. 
what is God's answer to that? And that's what the book deals with, the entire thing. What's God going to do with this? That's the setup. And she goes home. And what we're going to see here is, is a couple of sets of urgings and responses going back and forth between Naomi and her two, two, her two daughters-in-law. And, and the point you need to see in this, I'll tell you straight up, is she's trying to convince them of just how hard it will be for them if they don't stay in Moab, but go back. That if they go forward, there's nothing for them there. But racism, bigotry, difficulty, there's no good thing for them in, in there. Moabites were hated in the land of Israel. Hated. Think the worst racist people in the South with a black person. I mean, this is what we're talking about. Racism isn't only in America. It's been, there, there are long, long histories of it all through all of human history. And that's what's happening here. It is difficult. That's the first thing. And the second thing I need you to see in the, as I, we walk through here is all three love each other deeply. That affection isn't the issue. They both, all three of them, love each other massively. Think of what they've gone through. Think of what these three have gone through. The years of first losing their father-in-law and then their husbands. The years of them trying and trying and trying to have children. And nothing. These, these, these three women have been through a lot together. That's, they love each other. Okay, Those are the two things you need to see in this. Let's walk through them. So she's on the road. It's about a seven to eight journey, day journey from where they are to back to the land of Israel. And as she's going there, um, where she's been living, and they took the road to go back to Ju Judah, to, to go back to their, to their hometown in Bethlehem, right? And on the way, they have a conversation, and it begins like this. On the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you with kindness for your husbands and to me. She loves them. May the Lord bless you, my child. May the Lord give you a husband. May you have babies. Now, why do I say babies here? Here, let me, let me, let me finish reading this and I'll show you. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. And then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. Go home, Orpah. Go home, okay? It, it's, it's sweet that you've traveled this far with me, but you need to not be stupid. Go home. There's nothing there for you. May the Lord, you've been so good to me. You've been, so, you've been amazing, daughters-in-law. I love you like my own child. You've been amazing, but you need to go home. And may, when you go home, may God give you a husband, and may you get babies. And I say babies... Because she says here, go back to your mother's home. And that's a weird phrase. It's a weird phrase because typically, when a woman becomes a widow in the ancient Near East, they would return to their father's home. Not their mother's home. That's not the phrase they use. They use to their mother's home. And you can see this, for example, in Leviticus 22.13. If she, the woman... Um, becomes a widow or is divorced and has no children to support her. This is the exact case of, of Ruth and Orpah. They have no children. They're, they're a widow. What do they need to do? She, she needs to return to live in her father's home as her, as her youth so she may eat her father's food again. Because the father is supposed to take care of her daughter, his daughter. That's his job. So why is Naomi... Did, why didn't she say, return to your father's home? Instead says, to return to your mother's home. Well, that phrase is a, is a phrase that is used as a way of speaking in a roundabout way about what happens on a marriage bed. And we can see that in Song of Solomon. Scarcely had I passed them and found him who I, my soul loves. 
This whole book is about a, this story of these two in lo young lovers. And I held him, and I would not let him go until I brought him into my mother's house to the chamber of her who conceived me. So it's a, it's a polite way of saying they were intimate. That's what, she, and this is the idea of what's happening to Naomi. You don't have children's Ruth and Naomi. I want you to have children so that you can have a legacy, so you can have the joy of a child, so that when you're old, someone can take care of you, because you need that, because your father's not going to always be there. Your mom's not going to always be there. Somebody needs to take care of you, and this is what children are for. I want you to have children, and I want you to have the joy of marriage, so that someone will take care of you and provide you and give security and joy. That's what Naomi cares about, and both of them love her very much. But she's saying, if you go to Israel, you're not getting that. You're not going to get that. Why? Because we're racist there. You're Moabites. They don't want you. Do the smart thing. Do the thing that makes sense. Go get joy. Go get security. Go get children. Because if you go, all you're going to get is bigotry, you're going to get fear, you're going to get need. My life is done, and yours will be too if you come. And they cling to each other, and they weep, and, and they both say, no, Naomi, we want to stay with you. Then she kissed them all goodbye, and they all broke down, and they wept. Do you hear the love there? But then she continues. No, we want to go with you and your people, she said, they say. But Naomi replied, and now it turns. Before she's been this sweet, go home, God bless you. But now she gets bitter, because that's really where her heart is. A little bit sarcastic, a little bit bitter. You can hear the harshness, but it's all about an urging to, to take care of these two women. Why would you possibly do that? It's stupid, girls. Why would you do this? Don't. Can I give birth to, to other sons who could grow up to your husbands? Could, could, could I possibly give you a, a husband and so you can have children? No, my daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? If by some amazing act of a miracle, this very night I get a husband and I get pregnant, which is not going to happen, right? Obviously. How is that going to solve your problem? Are you, would you wait for them to grow up, the 18 years for them to grow up? You're going to be too old to marry at that point. Like, what are you doing? Go home. No, things are far too bitter for me than for you. Don't, sh don't share in my bitterness. You don't need it. You don't have to have it. My life is ruined. You don't have to, be, you don't have to go down with me. Go home. Because the Lord has raised his fist against me. Now, we're going to talk about that next week. But the point is, is don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. All that's ahead of you is, is misery. Then they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. They love each other. Affection is not the issue in, this, in what Ruth is about to say. She doesn't stay because she loves her more than Naomi. That's not it. They both love each other. The difference is, Orpah chooses the wise thing, the smart thing. But Ruth chooses something different. What Or Orpah chooses is, well, that makes sense. You're right. I should just go home. Because if I go there... I'm sure my dad, will, my, 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 my dad will hook me up with some guy and my life is going to be okay. 
Ruth doesn't live with that. For Ruth, she has an entirely different way of thinking. For her, she's made a change that's about to come out that is the turn for not only her life, but more importantly, for Naomi's, even though Naomi doesn't see it yet. But it's Ruth's staying that through that, that choice that everything else in the rest of the story depends. Everything that happens that's good in Naomi's life is because of what Ruth is about to do. The turn happens right here. Ruth clings tightly. And again, Naomi tries to tell her, look, your sister's going. And hear what she says to her people and to her God. Go back home. Go back to your people, Ruth. Go back to your God, Ruth. And now, we need to slow way down here for a moment as we look carefully at this next section, okay. with the risk of being too technical, I want you to see something. Now, this next section right here, in the next couple of verses, 16 through 17, there are five sentences. Five sentences, and, and there's some verbs in all of the sentences except for the center one. I'm, I'm being trying to be very careful. I don't put people off. <laughs> but, okay. In verses 1 and 5, they go together. It's an initial, don't tell me to leave with God. It, it, he's never going to separate us. May God never separate us. Those two go together. The second and the, and the, and the fourth go together. They're, they're, and they're verbal pairs leaving the very center one is the key verse. And there's verbs everywhere, but in the very center one. And it's not, it, 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 it highlights that. Now, this structure of where you have pairs, pairs, and then a center one, that is a Hebrew uh, way of doing something called a chiasm. You can see it all over the scriptures, both in the Old Testament and actually even in the New Testament. Jesus does this. It's very Hebrew. Way of Hebrew way of doing something. And the point of it is it's like an arrow pointing to the very center. That is the center point that is the key thing you need to pay attention to. We think of, we put the emphasis either at the start or at the end. You know, the conclusion to the matter is this. But, but they do the opposite. They go, there's this, 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 this point, and there's my key point, and therefore, 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 therefore. And so that's what we're seeing here. And here's the key point in the very, very center. Now let's read through this, and you'll see what I mean. So Ruth says, stop telling me to leave you. That's not going to happen. And then she says, wherever you go, I go. Wherever you live, I live. You go, I go. You live, I live. Two pairs. Both verbs. Present, future tense. Your life is now my life. Where, where you're living is where I'm going to live. I'm going to skip this, the center one here. We're going to come right back to that. Where you die, I will die. And there I'm going to be buried. Where you go, I go. Where you die, I will die. Where you, li where you, go where you live is where I live. Where you are buried, there I'm going to be buried. Finally, and may the Lord deal with you ever, ever so, so severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So God, I'm not leaving her. So stop asking me. Where you live, she's gonna, I'm going to live. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you die, I'm going to die and I'm going to be buried. And why is that? Because, now, 
I put those two, word, two, two things in parentheses because almost all of your versions do that. A couple of really good ones will put them in italics because they're not actually there. The translators put them there to make it a, more, a sentence that kind of makes sense. But in Hebrew, it makes it really clear there's no verb. She's stating this is the case. Your people, I wish they would have put, are my people. Your God is my God. Present tense. You want me to go back to, to Moab? Why? They're not my people anymore. You want me to go back to the gods of Moab? They're not my gods. Your God is my God. The people of Israel, they are my people. Therefore, I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to live where you live. I'm going to die where you die. Why? Because you are, you, we're, we're the same people. Your God is my God. That's the key. It is a profession of faith. And it has nothing to do with the fact that she loves, um, that, that it's, not, it's not because she loves Naomi more than Orpah. It's because she has had a change in identity. She has decided, after all these years of listening and watching Naomi and her sons and her, and her, and her father-in-law worship the God of Israel, that that's the true God. I want that God. I don't want the gods of, uh, of Moab. I want this is the real God. This is the real person. This is my people. Why would I know? Why would I go back? And this is the turn that Ruth has chosen a new identity that I am a worshiper of the God of Israel. I am the worshiper of Isaac, the God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham. And as we, when we get to the New Testament, the God of the Father of Jesus Christ. That is who I worship. And when you put the two together, she's saying that this is worth it. Orpah chooses everything but not God. Family, security, peace, joy, all that. But she doesn't get the God of Israel. Ruth is saying, I want the God of Israel even if I get nothing. Because Ruth has been, made, has, it has been made very clear to her by Naomi, you go back, you get nothing. No man's going to want you there. No, you're going to be destitute the rest of your life. And she says, that's worth it. She's changed her identity. This isn't about affection. This is about who she is. The people of Moab are not my people. The people, the gods of Moab are not my gods. I believe in the God of Israel. The New Testament example of this is this. Paul talking to the people of Thessalonians for people everywhere report how you have welcomed us and how you have returned from, to serve God from the idols to serve the living and true God. That's what's happened to her. It is the turning point. It's the turning point. And as we read the rest of the story, that's what happens. As we read on, just to give you a very brief overview, she goes back home, and at first she's, she's met with hostility. But one day she goes out to the fields, and she meets a guy, and he's a good man. And they begin a, a relationship, sort of. It's kind of a touch and go, because he's being very respectful, and he knows other people have first uh, place to take care of her. But eventually it leads to a head, and one night on a threshing floor, she makes a bold request, take care of me, Boaz. And he does. And it ends with this beautiful story. Here, here's how the whole thing ends. They get married, and the neighbor women end up coming to Naomi and saying, at last again, she does get a son through Ruth because of Boaz. And they named him Obed and became the father of Jesse, the grandfather of David. She gets taken care of in this life because of Ruth. 
Even though Naomi is the key character, it is Ruth's decision in chapter 1 that causes the rest to happen. That it is through Boaz and Ruth's actions that Naomi gets blessed. And here's the key thing, is at this moment in chapter 1, she has no idea that the, her life has changed. No idea. And more than that, she dies as well as Ruth dies and not realizing that her great-grandchild is going to be king of Israel. She has no idea. And they, none of these people, even the writer, doesn't know that through Ruth and Boaz, Jesus comes that will give them eternal life. They don't know that until after they're gone. The blessings of, that God is pouring out through Ruth and through Boaz on Naomi is staggering, and she has no idea. And she never will until after she's gone. And one of the ways of help, that, 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 that reading Ruth, by the way, not after Judges and Samuel, but later on, is that you've read things like Ezekiel, who says this, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant, David, and he will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And it's like, who's David in Ezekiel? It cannot be the, the one who is the great-grandchild of of Ruth, it's somebody else. That somebody else is Jesus. It's a way of talking about Jesus. So when we read here at the end here, uh, da, 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 you know, this David here, you need to, if you're reading it after the prophets, you go, oh, Jesus. The Messiah. Yeah. The turns happened. And it's probably happened in your life, but you don't know it. If you clung to Jesus, even if you aren't as financially successful as you would like to be, and you see your friends, your neighbors, your family members, or whatever it is, and they're doing better, and you're like, where's my blessing? It's coming, because you've chosen, not like Orpah, but like Ruth. And you ask, you know, maybe, maybe it's a, a relational thing, and life's hard, and it's, you know, because life is hard, let's be honest, it is. And you see, you, you see your, 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 your people around you at your work, or, or, or just society in general, and you're like, man, their life is much better than mine, and much easier than mine. It's like, Maybe because they chose Orpah. Because Orpah's life was much easier for a long time for, than Ruth's. But she disappears in the pages of history. Ruth doesn't. Jesus plus nothing. Is that worth it? Yes. I know it can be awful. Seeing, that, seeing people around you doing better, having joy or peace or security. And, and I'm not trying to give you just a simple cliche answer. I'm just trying to tell you that Jesus plus nothing is worth it. Sometimes we focus on this little bit of our lives. And actually, can you, one of you, pull out to the, to the full um, congregational level on the camera. See, sometimes we, we have it so we focus so desperately on this piece of our lives. It's about this much, and we ignore the eternity that's going out that's all the way here. And we, God's going to bless you here, all of this, far more. And they're trading good, happy, good, wonderful things right here, this tiny little bit. And we like, we're jealous of that. And I know it's hard, but this is coming. 
the turns happened. Even if you never see the blessings of God in this life, and I pray you do, you know, we're going to sing a song during communion of peace with you, and I want desperately you to have peace knowing that it's going to be okay eventually. I just want you to hear that, that the turns happened. If, you've, if you hold and you cling on to Jesus, and, and that you, even if it means Jesus plus nothing, it's worth it. Oh, Jesus, help us to, to, to trust your goodness when we don't see it. Trust that you haven't abandoned us. Trust that, you, that we are not hopeless because you're with us. I, I, I do pray that just like Naomi, that we see the goodness of, the, uh, of you in the land of the living. That your blessing would be made clear that they would have the joy and they would have the peace and they'd have the security now I do, but Lord, in your wisdom, if that is not your choice, that the road for their lives, for however long it is, is hard, that they're walking in that valley of the darkness for a long time, that in those days, that you, you like a good shepherd, would comfort them with your rod, with your staff, with your, with your, with your presence, bringing them the peace that you're going to get them home to the good fields, to the table. In your house. In your name we pray. Amen. think of this song kind of alongside of um, Blessed Be Your Name. It's a similar similar consideration. And, uh, I just, it's a very personal uh, song to me. I remember when Lenore's husband passed. It's the first time I ever introduced this song to the congregation. Um, that regardless of circumstance, he is still deserving of, of praise. told the parable of the pearl of great price that of the man who sold everything to get to get this pearl and he counted that worth it I pray that Jesus is is your pearl that even if you get nothing else in this life that you 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 experience the the joy the peace of Jesus plus nothing is worth it. That, you're, you, that even if your health fails, if your family fails, if your, your finances fail, if, if everything else goes to pot, but you still have Jesus, that, that it's more than just an intellectual thing for you, that you have the, the peace and joy of, yeah, but I have Jesus, so I have everything. I have enough. That's worth it. I want that for you. And as you take communion, may, uh, may this be a moment of you saying, I'm clinging to you, Jesus. Come what may. And, I, and for some of us, you know, your, your life right now is, is maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's not that hard. But anyone who's lived very long knows, no, the storm is eventually going to come eventually will and for some they've been in the storm a long time and it doesn't look like it's going to let up but God loves you even in this because he purchased your blessings eternally through Jesus
who on the night that he was betrayed took bread and said, this is my body given for you. And there, the one whom God loved more than all others was crucified, crushed for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Talk about someone who lived not a great life, uh, Jesus, right? Ended up nearly friendless, despised, and hated. In the same way after supper, he said, this is the cup of the new agreement, the new covenant between God and man that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue you with my goodness all the days of my life. I'm going to wash away all of your sins. Just come to me with, with saying, I need you. I need you. No, none of this, well, but justification of your actions at all. Just saying, yeah, I'm messed up. I'm not okay, and that's going to have to be okay with you, Jesus. In fact, I trust it is because of your love for me. Come to the table and cling to Jesus that this is your pearl. And as we sing this song, here in this, my, my blessing to you that you have peace. And if you do, may, this be, may you also be singing this to everyone else in the congregation and to the people online. May they have peace. In Jesus. We'll share in the, the elements together at the end. peace rain down from you, on you. May it just pour down on some of our souls who are dry and hard and cracked. Peace of Christ to you in the blood and body of Christ given for you. Father, I pray for peace for these people. From my own soul at times that is anxious and afraid and stressed out over my own things that are happening in my life for the people around me that I know are struggling. And I worry about them and I stress over them. And I, I thank you that you're bigger than all of these things and you... You have secured our, our eternity. So I pray for peace, that they would experience that, knowing that your mercy and your, your, your goodness is pursuing them. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for coming today. May God bless you today and tomorrow and the rest of your life as you cling to him. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>